There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today on Conversations on Dance, we are joined by two forces behind Dance at the Kennedy Center, Alicia Adams, Vice President of International Programming and Dance, and Jane Raleigh, Dance Programming Director. Jane and Alicia take us through their journey from young artists to arts management leaders, tell us about how arts administration has evolved in recent years, and talk about their collaborative work to program and plan dance at the Kennedy Center. To view the dance programming and purchase tickets for the Kennedy Center's upcoming season, visit kennedy-center.org. Good morning, Alicia and Jane. Thank you both so much for joining us today. We are so excited to get into some of the nitty gritty of what you both are doing at the Kennedy Center, which is, of course, one of the most important arts organizations in America. But we always like to start at the beginning with guests mm-hmm. we haven't had on before. So um, maybe we'll start with Alicia and just hear a little bit about how you first became interested and involved in the performing arts in general. That's a very long story. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've been involved since um, elementary school, you know, in the, right. in, in the arts, um, playing the cello and piano and taking dance classes and um, then going to, to New York where I actually uh, studied dance at NYU and Columbia uh, dancing in a company for a short time in 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 the city, and then deciding that I was neither going to be a cellist or a dancer um, because there was not enough talent there to 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 give me a lifestyle that I would find acceptable. I'm from Washington um, D.C. D.C. originally, so anyway, I got into arts management, and I went into to an institute in at Harvard in arts administration uh, one summer, and it was just great. It made me know that this is exactly what I wanted to to do. 
So I had been doing volunteer work at arts organizations in 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 New York, everything from soup to uh, to nuts, and including editing a black dance publication um, during that during that time. So um, I just pursued a career. I worked for for Ailey for years. I worked at uh, City Center Theater. I worked for Harry Belafonte. Um, I taught um, dance for 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 a while. Um, so. I did every job and it was my goal to not work any place more than three or four years at one point so that I could get as much experience as possible and really decide what I wanted to do. But as we know, in this field, you don't really have that that op- option and it's generally opportunity that um, allows you to, to move forward. So the opportunity, I was um, the executive director of Harlem School of the Arts um, in, in New York and there yesterday oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah great it was i mean that certainly was a, a passion of mine and i was looking to expand it i had grown it i, I actually stayed there five years which was past my my limit uh for me <laughs> but um you, you know we'd gotten money from the city to expand it because we were bursting at the at the seams and the board decided not to do that which is when i decided i should I should probably move on because I wasn't interested in, in just treading water. And mm-hmm. so um, an offer from the Kennedy Center came and an offer, I was headhunted for the Kennedy Center and for the Joyce Theater and mm-hmm. was offered the executive directorship of the Joyce Theater and this position at the Kennedy Center. And I decided that I, to take the Kennedy Center position because it offered a broader platform and it was cross-disciplinary, and that was something that I was really interested in, not just, just the dance. I mean, the dance is fine, but I also had some other interests. I also worked for Harry Belafonte for a while where we I went out every night looking at um, work, be, you know, that he might be interested in. So it was it was a great time in, in, the, in the city, and it was a time when dance was just it, you know, dance was, was, was hot, um, during that, during that time, during the dark ages. Mm -hmm. How long have you been with the Kennedy center now? Forever. You've passed your three years. Is that what you're saying? Uh (laughs) No, for, for, um, for 25 years, actually. So this is the, this is the job that got you to stay for that long term. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the, the international work, um, being able Mm -hmm. To um, travel to 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 meet new new artists and to see different cultures and to be able to bring that back. Um, one thing that when I first came to the Kennedy Center, I was a little dismayed because a lot of the work that I had seen not not in dance necessarily, but in theater, um, and it was just how the system worked um, on the uh, on our stages and particularly in theater was work I had seen five years ago in New York. And so I thought, oh, my goodness, have I made a huge mistake? You know, I'm sort of going back in time and just sort of dedicated myself to trying to to um, push forward to bring to bring new work and not just to repeat what was happening in New York, but to find a way to um, make what I did at Washington, what I did in Washington um, distinct. Mm. Jane, how about you? Same question. Give us that background in the performing arts and dance. 
Yeah, I love doing these conversations with Alicia because I always learn one new thing. I didn't know you ever taught dance, Alicia. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I think at Bloomfield College. Wow. We got to, I'll ask more questions about that later. Um, Yeah, I think my background is similar. I grew up um, in a very artistic family. My father was a theater lover and my brother um, was an actor uh, up through professionally was a, was a stage actor. So I grew up as the only dancer of the family, but all of us were musical and artistically inclined. So as a child, I was always balancing uh, ballet training specifically with singing. I was always in the synagogue choir and the school choir and all of that. Um, and was on a pre-professional track, I would say, in ballet, did the summer intensives um, at different ballet companies, and then got to be 17 and really wanted to go to college, really wanted to get a liberal arts degree. I don't think I would have been happy going the um, conservatory route, or I I also didn't quite think I was talented to audition for companies. Um, so I went to the College of William and Mary in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, in Colonial Williamsburg. And there I studied, I had, I actually have a Spanish degree in Spanish language, um, but a minor in dance. And that I think opened my eyes hugely to what else goes into the dance world because William and Mary doesn't have um, a, a ton of performance opportunities. So we danced and performed, but we also choreographed We also were the backstage volunteers to put up the lighting and understand how a show actually gets put together. Mm -hmm. And that's what um, inspired me to start doing internships uh, around the country. So my, between my freshman and sophomore years of college, I interned at the American dance festival in Durham, North Carolina. Um, And that was my first, I was a production intern there. So that was my first foray into real professional lighting, sound, um, stage management uh, in a way that opened uh, new doors to understanding of everything that actually went into the arts. But I think even when I graduated college, I didn't think, I thought that um, production work was the only thing that went into dance uh, other than, I didn't understand that there were people like me and Alicia doing all this administrative work behind the scenes. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was actually an intern at the Kennedy Center, was my first real arts administration job. And I worked in the team that's now called Social Impact, but was called Performing Arts for Everyone at that time. And they did a lot of festival work and a lot of daily performances that were free and open to the public. So it was putting on a show every single day. uh, And that made me understand that arts administration was a field and what it actually looked like. And also was the first time um, that team was very musically inclined at the time that I was on it. And so my dance knowledge, just from being a dancer in in childhood was Mm -hmm. like very valuable to them. And I realized Mm -hmm. for the first time that I had knowledge and had opinions that could contribute to putting together a a festival lineup or could contribute to curation in a different way. Mm -hmm. Right. How... How common is it for um, people in arts admin to have the kind of background, extensive background that both of you have in the arts? Or how how essential is it? I I think it's probably less common than it used to be. Mm. But it used to be that everybody grew up 
in the in an art form and then went into arts management. The arts mm-hmm. management field really only came online um, in the 60s with the creation of the National Endowment for the Arts. Mm-hmm. And that really set the um the profession on a very different course where people were being paid differently. There were applications to fill out, da-da-da-da-da. Um, prior to that, though, everybody grew up in it. And, you know, you sort of learned how to, to do it because it had to, to be done. You were a dancer in a company. The company needed somebody to to, mm-hmm. to, to manage it, to, to um, fill out all the forms, et cetera. And you graduated to, you know, to that position uh, somehow. Today, they try to get people, not so much for the curation, but for the operation of the organizations from the business world. Mm-hmm. And mm. that's, that's a, different, um, a different story. I have to remember that we're recording. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I, I mean, maybe you could speak a little bit to that, you know, you know. You don't have to say anything that you don't want to say, <laughs> but it is that's a that's a real, real change. And like, how do those people, I guess, get brought up to speed, or what what does what does that shift in priorities mean for the arts? I guess. Well, it's been going on for quite for quite some time now. Um, with the board of trustees, most of the people on on major boards are you know of of, of wealth. Um, from the business world um, have interest, maybe philanthropists, patrons of the of the arts, and may know something about it, but not people that necessarily have grown up grown up in it. In terms of staffing, mm-hmm. though, because the arts want to be treated equally, equally, and on the same in the same way as other uh, organizations organizations are, then we bring in business models to run our organizations. And I do think that there needs to be more hybridity there, meaning that these um, uh, people without extensive backgrounds in the arts need to to have a way to, to learn about it. And what we have is is really invaluable, you know, for the for the organization because you have all of that knowledge of the art form, plus you have the knowledge of what it what needs to be done in order to 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 manage it. Right. I also I also think to that point, Alicia, one thing I've noticed even in in my time at the Kennedy Center is the prevalence of arts administration master's degrees that exist. So I think to your point, Alicia, a lot of people used to just come up through it. And when you retired from performance, you became an administrator or you did it on the side and then that became your career. But so many people now can actually go straight from undergrad into a master's program in arts administration. There's even master's degrees in curation, which I think didn't exist um, all that long Mm -hmm. ago. So um, I, I used to really wrestle with that when I was an intern here because half the leaders, we would, as interns, get to speak with all the senior leaders of the Kennedy Center. And half of them had terminal degrees and half of them didn't. And mm. one thing I always found interesting- Terminal was, sounds deadly. <laughs> advanced, <laughs> advanced degrees, I'll say. Advanced degrees. Um, uh. But one of the things I always found fascinating was that 
people who had an advanced degree always said, I would never have this position without this degree. And people without the degrees would say, you absolutely don't need this degree Mm. and to get where I am. So what it said to me was, if you would like to pursue that, if you think that studying this as a business function or studying this as a codified way of working would help you, then you should pursue it. But if you Mm -hmm. don't Mm -hmm. think that's interesting, you probably can just immerse yourself in the art and achieve it yourself. Right. And and when I was coming through, um, the Institute for Arts Administration at Harvard was one of the first to begin to teach arts administration. It was taught by the Harvard Business School. And I think the program lasted maybe three years or five years, and they quit because by then there were so many um, universities then around the country that had programs in arts administration. So they felt that it wasn't necessary for them to, uh, to, to, to carry on with it. Mm-hmm. But yes, I mean, I, I agree with, um, with Jane. A lot of times though, the people in the arts administration programs were people that had a deep interest or experience in the, you know, in the art form. Um, so, but it's just, the, the, the field is just so um, unpredictable. Mm-hmm. You know, you might, you might say in terms of um, how it operates, um, where the opportunities might, might, might lie. I don't think you can just pick like, like in a, you know, in the, to be, when you become a lawyer, you, you have some, some options and you sort of know your, um the, the the ladder up and you can if you do sort of the right things you can you can you can get there but in the arts world you you really can't and you have to move laterally in order to increase your um your earnings and the, how many jobs are there at the top men used to occupy most of them uh women came into it um much 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 later so you know they're they're there's a lot around that. Well, as we all know, there's no better employee than a dancer or a former dancer. So <laughs> yes. I was just having that conversation with my staff, but just the ability to take a correction and be like, oh, yes, thank you. I will take that immediately and make a change. And that you want the correction. Very even. unique. Yeah. yeah. You're like, give me feedback. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> there are many things that are said about dancers. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about each of your roles at the Kennedy Center and what each of you do. And we'll start with you, Alicia, and then we'll go to Jane. So I curate the contemporary dance series and also the international uh, programming. And so what my job is, um, is basically to to think about what needs to to be programmed, um, to think about the companies that are there, to see them, to, I don't know if curation comes from the word curious or not. I have Mm. to look that up, but certainly to be curious about what there is and how, you know, how I might be innovative in the work. It is it is not so hard to pick dance companies and put them on a slate and schedule them, mm-hmm. you know. And and I mean and and they they're companies always knocking at our door. We don't really have to go out and and seek um, companies. And and we've seen so much. And with the international travel that I do, it also allows me to 
see work that's going on around the world and to bring that as well, you know, to the to the Kennedy Center. But with an eye to, I, I like to think about everything that I do, whether it's an international festival or it's a um, curating a, a dance series, that it, it's going to be knowledge based, um, not necessarily with a theme, um, but that I'm thinking about, you know, ancillary ancillary programs, engagement uh, with the with the audience, um, what we tell the public about the the work, how we can surprise, but at the same time, give people what, I would say, we want to give people what they, some of what they want, Mm -hmm. but also what they don't know they want. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that there is a line there because of course it it relates to the bottom line. You know, it it has to be a, um, a, a palette that is going to be um, marketable um, right. and will generate the, the the revenues that we need to generate for the for the budget. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I try not to let budget dictate what I'm thinking about initially. You might get to that, but if you don't start broadly, then you end up you know too 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 small. So. Mm-hmm. And besides thinking, I do actually do some other work, you know, (laughs) I'm wondering, this is kind of making me think of a conundrum that ballet companies have too, right? Where they have to program a Swan Lake because they know that's going to bring people in. They're going to have Nutcracker that's going to pack the house. And then, you know, here's a balancing program for the dancers or, you know, like some, something a little different. So it, it's similar in a way, but what you're doing is on such a massive scale. And so there's so much to consider. Right. Um, there, 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 there is. And, and sometimes one, one year the Eisenhower theater was being um, renovated. And so we had to go to a, this is when Meg was, was, was here mm-hmm. to, a, to a, a different model of um, bringing in only smaller dance companies um, because we didn't have the Eisenhower. So we couldn't do some of the big companies that we would, would normally do. And that presented itself with sort of an interesting challenge, you know, that we could look at some of the downtown New York artists, we could think about it in a different way, and therefore we could sell it as this. This is this is a new experience for, you know, the 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 dance audiences. And I think, you know, some sometimes limitations open doors and present new opportunities. Um, Jane and I often talk about about this, you know, how we're able to bring in that that work that's difficult for us to bring in because it doesn't fit the, the, the mold or the, or the Mm -hmm. the model. And so there's, there's this, and and it's not just the two of us, there are a whole bunch of other people that we have to talk to before, you know, anything is actually finalized. Jane, how about you, your responsibilities? Yeah. um, So where Alicia is curating the contemporary dance series, I curate the ballet series And then in close collaboration with Alicia, I'm the one managing the budgeting for both of those series. And um, and then I manage a team of two full time staff that execute uh, all the dance offerings. So once we have a signed contract, I generally pass it off to my staff who do all the logistical work of actually getting the companies here, coordinating between a visiting production person and our production manager, the visiting company manager, and uh, really our staff are the Kennedy Center company managers to actually bring the dancers into the opera house and get the shows up on stage. Mm-hmm. 
But but I'm, I'm, I just want to add one other thing, and that is to say that this setup is a very untraditional, unorthodox yes. setup for how curating a, a dance and ballet season would 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 happen. And we are not a dance only house, but mm-hmm. between the two programs, between the two of us, we probably managed we managed to present more than. Um, most um, performing arts centers across America in terms of, of, of dance. I mean, it's a full slate of ballet. There's a full slate of, of contemporary dance. And so, you know, Jane and I have to, 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 to manage, you know, to do this because there are many crossovers mm-hmm. over now, which she'll talk about when she talks more about the dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love to hear a little bit about that. Like what, what your back and forth is how your jobs overlap. Like, is it, is it like Jane's like, I want to bring this. And then Alicia's like, well, you can't do that because I'm already bringing this. <laughs> like, what is your back and forth looking like? It's looking like Jane is stealing stuff from contemporary dance and putting it into ballet. Like the, the Trocaderos. Uh-huh. I presented them some years ago on the, on the contemporary dance season. And now they've gotten much better. And so Jane has put them on the ballet season. (laughs) Okay, let me justify this. What do our audiences think? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that we find ourselves in a really interesting moment in the way that the field is looking at dance and all that falls under the umbrella of dance. And I think the Kennedy Center historically and traditionally has driven a very clean line between ballet and all other dance Um, Mm -hmm. and put them in separate brochures and had them as separate subscription series. And one of the things that I personally really am working towards in curation is to uh, acknowledge that there's a lot more ticks along the spectrum of what ballet is, even within Mm -hmm. only the ballet aesthetic, even with only female dancers wearing point shoes, or we just mentioned the trocks, even with anyone wearing a point shoe, the right. number, the amount of difference between a very classical, classical Petipas Swan Lake all the way to mm-hmm. Alonzo King Lines Ballet, who we have on the season right. this year, mm-hmm. is a huge spectrum of difference. Right. And so one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is how to uh, program things that fall along many of the ticks along that scale so that if you came to all the ballet offerings on our subscription series, you might understand that breadth mm-hmm. in a different way. But yeah. I think uh, what Alicia is referring to is, is the itchiness of Kennedy Center audiences and, and all of us who haven't experienced a lot of what that contemporary ballet is or naming it as ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, what is contemporary dance? What is European dance that is sometimes a ballet company, but sometimes they're doing something super contemporary, bare feet. Right. And then the next piece on the program is point shoes. Um, and what does that mean? Where does it fall in an organization that has always looked at ballet and dance as two separate things? Right. Um, which is challenging. Yeah. I'm curious. So you guys have a conversation. You're like, let's bring this ballet company, X ballet company, and we want to have them. Where do we go from there? There's logistics involved. Are you picking what ballets they bring? What is that looking like? And how far out are we looking to? Because it's not like, oh, tomorrow we're bringing this company. What does that kind of look like? Well, for contemporary dance, um, sometimes in terms of the the company and the work, 
I may have seen a work that I really want to bring in. So I want the company to, to do that particular piece. Mm-hmm. And that may be a company of a certain, uh, certain level. Um, if we're talking to Ailey, it's going to be the work that is being presented for that season. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to uh, Mark Morris or Matthew Bourne, also, it's the comp- the work that's going to present it, be presented for that season. So your interest then is in the, the 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 company itself, the choreography and the work, and and being able to show a new a new piece or something, a sort of some new aspect um, about the about the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's very similar for me on the more ballet side of the aesthetic. I think um, like this past season, we presented Joffrey Ballet's Anna Karenina. That was a specific invitation from the Joffrey to come see the ballet. I thought it ought to be seen at the Kennedy Center. So we, our entire conversation was only about bringing Anna Karenina to the Kennedy Center and when might that work. Mm-hmm. But especially because we have the unique relationships with American Ballet Theater and New York City Ballet who come every right. year, um, that allows us a different type of conversation Um, last year was the 50th anniversary of the Kennedy Center. And so we were doing a lot of playing with looking back at our history and also looking forward to the future of of the forum. And so with both of those companies, I was able to have a conversation about that, about that intention. We'd love to do two programs, one looking back, one looking forward. And then the companies brought to me some some options. Um, And we ended up like New York City Ballet was awesome last year. We did Midsummer Night's Dream, which had premiered at the Kennedy Center in 75. And so that was a really nice uh, historical moment. And then we also did a future facing program that was all living new works by living choreographers. Um, Right. So it's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it takes years from the time of thinking, thinking about it or planning it to the time that you can actually put it on your stage. And sometimes you forget, oh, right, they're coming this year, you know, because it was something that you planned three or four years ago to, right. Right. to, to do. I, I wish we had a bit more spontaneity, you know, that we could respond to things, um, say within a year's uh, time frame. We've had a little bit of that because of COVID and trying to catch up and cancellations and all we could um, fill in a few, in a, in a few spots, but um I don't know. For, for for me, the 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 passion and excitement still remains around uh, around dance, and um, I think once you have 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 danced, um, that you you see the world in very different with very different eyes. You know, it is. You know, once a dancer, always a dancer. I think mm-hmm. um, it's it's it it just stays in your in your bones and in your heart, um, in a, in a, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan. That's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. You know, just th- thinking about the repertoire, like cho- the choosing of, of what repertoire is going to come. Um, is it more common for you to dictate rep for, say, one of those companies that you were talking about where you're like, like the audience doesn't know that they need to see this yet, you know, um, versus having an established brand like a New York City Ballet or an Alvin Ailey Dance Theater, like that you're, um, you know, looking at some something people are inherently interested in seeing bringing in something like that's more of an unknown are you more likely then to dictate what rep you want from them versus having something that might automatically sell tickets like new york city ballet and the answer to that is um yes i do more of that when i do the international festivals where i bring over Mm -hmm. um artists in all the disciplines most of the companies are not or have in the past have not known one a couple of things. One of the things I think we both try to do is to nurture companies. We do have perennials, those companies that come every single every single year for for a variety of of reasons. And then there are other companies that we love that we want to be able to 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 nurture and to continue to to present. I did a um a a festival in China back in two thousand and five, and with Shen Wei. Um, what we did after the festival was a five-year residency um, because the work that he was was doing was was really really fantastic and we wanted to be able to help help him to to grow into what he was trying to grow into at that at that time. Um, Jane is doing residencies um, with with some of the companies, some of the, the the local companies. I mean, and those are ways ways in which we are able to do something with them if we can't present them, you know, all of, right. all of the time. And I think that that's really, really important. Um, yeah. I think one, one example to that exact point is um, Ballet West from Salt Lake City who have come multiple times to do Nutcracker. They're coming in this fall to do Nutcracker at the Kennedy Center. And um, every time that I've interacted with Ballet West has been a conversation with the company about how many other things they do in Salt Lake that they would love for Washington audience to see. Mm-hmm. And Adam Sklut has this great festival of new works that he does every spring. And this year it's focusing on Asian choreographers in collaboration with Phil Chan. We are also presenting a festival of Asian choreographers with Phil Chan. And so it was a really exciting when we realized that Ballet West was already doing that at home and we were having those conversations as well. It was a great opportunity to now in this coming season, we'll see Ballet West for Nutcracker. We'll also see Ballet West come back as part of the 10,000 Dreams Asian Choreographers Festival to show some of the work that they do that's not Nutcracker, because mm-hmm. we all know mm-hmm. how many companies are doing other things all the time. Right. So to that same point, Alicia, I think the opportunity to see that company in multiple versions of itself for mm-hmm. our audiences will will hopefully grow an understanding of what that what Ballet West can do, which is something okay. I, I would like us to see with many companies. Mm-hmm. Right. And and one thing we haven't talked about <clears throat> are the changing demographics. 
of of audiences, um, not just at the Kennedy Center, but New York and and everywhere. And what is happening? Um, diverse programming in ballet and in the past would be you add Arthur Mitchell and Dance Theater of Harlem to the program. Now that's much more expanded. Um, there, there are more um, uh, ballet companies of, of color and there are more people of color in major ballet companies um, and in some dance companies. I mean, it's interesting from the, from early on, it was Martha Graham and um, Alvin Ailey that had the um, companies with a diverse um diverse pool of pool of dancers and it really has taken a long time for the contemporary dance world to catch up to that and longer for the ballet world too but it's Mm -hmm. it's it's it continues to happen and so we have to think about audiences one of the companies that we just presented was company cafique from france in a piece called pixel now they had they had toured the united states before in the on the west coast and I had actually I had I had presented them before with a with a different cast of of, of dancers, but still audiences had, had not seen them in five years, six years. I don't know how long um, ago it, it it was. We didn't really know what was going to happen um, in terms of ticket sales. But we have all these new platforms now to sell tickets on. So it's not just putting an ad in the Washington Post and the New York Times. You know, it's using social media and who's going to be interested in a um, a French Algerian uh, hip hop company uh, performing a dance um, that's technology based. You know, who is that person? Mm-hmm. You know, so we're, we're 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 learning as we are doing things. But I thought, I mean, this company is fantastic, and that I have been trying to bring for 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 many years. Again, so glad that. Um, it it all worked out. People people came, but I think social media played a real important part of mm-hmm. of, of that. Yeah. yeah, and going back to your question, Michael, about um, when like how far ahead are you thinking when you're bringing something that might challenge an audience or might be a change for an audience to experience? One of the things I've recently realized is because we're working at least two seasons ahead, sometimes three seasons ahead you may make a curatorial choice for two years into the future that you think, I think by this point, my audience will be ready to experience Mm. this work. But you actually don't know the answer to that until three years from now, when the two years from now season is over to Mm -hmm. find out if people actually (laughs) bought tickets to that. So I feel like I'm, I've been director of dance programming here for two seasons and I'm um, about to wade into that wave a little bit where I feel I've made some changes on the ballet season um, mm-hmm. that we I'm excited to see. And I believe that our audience will come along and purchase tickets for it. And we may find new audiences to Alicia's point through social media that will be excited to see something different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't actually be able to answer if we were successful with that until at least June of 2024. So <laughs> it's a little bit of like, you just got to trust <laughs> and believe and wait and see but while you're waiting and seeing and trusting and believing, you're curating two seasons More. ahead, three seasons ahead. So, right. Um, so, just before we wrap up, um, can we can you tell us how um, listeners can browse your wonderful upcoming season and get tickets? 
Yeah. that are doing that than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Kennedy Center's website is really the best place, kennedy-center.org. And from the homepage, you can um, sort by genre. I usually think that's the easiest way to navigate, find dance, and then you'll see all of our dance offerings listed there. Okay. Right. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. I know I will be on that amp track train down to go see some dance programming this year uh and we hope all of our listeners in the dc area come check out the wonderful programming that you guys have been such an integral part of and we'll be hearing more about it on the podcast coming soon this year so we're really excited to share those upcoming conversations as well thank you so much thank you thank you conversations on dance is part of the acast creator network For more information, visit conversationsondancepodpod.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.